0: And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts.
1: Presented by
0: RIA Advisors.
1: And good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Real Investment Show. And, of course, as always on Tuesday, we have our Tuesday take on the website right now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Um, If you're a subscriber to our email list, of course, that's our weekly bull bear report. You'll also get the technical take. It comes out on Tuesday. So if you're subscribed, nothing to worry about. You'll get an email here shortly. If not, go by the website. Make sure you subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And it's right there on the front page along with all of our free subscriptions on the front page of realinvestmentadvice.com. And we'll make sure that you're taken care of. But you also read the article right now. It's on the website. Um, and we're gonna be talking a little bit more about that this morning uh, here on the show. Of course, the big question right now is, are we gonna have a recession or not? Lots of indicators certainly suggesting a recession is in the works, right? I mean, if you take a look at yield curve inversions or leading economic indicators or ISM manufacturing indexes, et cetera, they all suggest a recession's coming, yet economic data continues to be, well, fairly strong. And as we were talking about, in this past weekend's newsletter. This is the real conundrum uh, for the Federal Reserve as well as for the markets is the Fed Reserve uh, last week, and this was the topic of this weekend's newsletter and a little bit on that in today's Tuesday take as well, is that the Federal Reserve is still intent on hiking interest rates. Of course, that's to slow economic growth and activity, but yet markets not really paying much attention to that. Uh, Fed fund futures right now, Up 40 basis points on the terminal rate. So the terminal rate now, thats the terminal rate is where the Federal Reserve was supposedly going to stop hiking interest rates. According to Fed Fund Futures, the markets, that has risen by 40 basis points over the last couple of weeks, now at 5.3%, which is well above what... Well, what the markets are expecting, right? Remember, markets are expecting right now. And if you take a look at kind of the, again, those Fed Fund futures, they're expecting rate cuts to come as soon as June. But the Federal Reserve saying, no, we got to keep hiking rates here. So a big disconnect right now between the markets as well as what's happening with the Federal Reserve. And as we talked about over the last week, you know, this uh, bit of corrective action that we've been in. We wrote an article last week called The Correction Has Begun, actually, week before last now. Uh, talking about how the correction had started and and really um, despite the fact that we've got a sell signal that's on the markets of course this has been you know weighing on asset prices stocks really haven't gone anywhere now they did decline last week a bit we did close lower on Friday did break below that 20-day moving average support so this morning futures are pointing lower Dow's down about 275 points this morning on the futures Uh, S&P's down about 30 or so so you know, we're starting to see a little bit more of that deterioration come into the market. It's not surprising, though. Again, we've talked about we've had a very nice run from the October lows, a big advance this year so far, you know, in January and February. So giving a bit of those gains up here, not surprising at all. But again, there's this disconnect between asset markets and what the Federal Reserve is saying they're going to be doing about interest rates. And, of course, the big risk of, of tightening monetary policy. And this is the big question, right? Recession. Or no recession? That's that's the question, and, and 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 we don't know. Unfortunately, we have no 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 real answer for this for certainty, but you know all the indicators certainly suggest that a recession is coming. Yet a lot of the economic data, you know, is certainly remaining very strong here. Um, Walmart this morning, a good example, reporting earnings, revenue beat by 164 billion over estimates of 159 billion. Uh, Stock's trading down about 2.5% this morning on that news. But inventories are coming down. They're working through some of that inventory overhang. uh, um, The tightness of the labor market, uh, according to Walmart, in terms of them hiring associates, has improved over the last several months. So market's not quite as tight as it was. So we're still seeing real strength in the economy, which has been a bit of a conundrum for the markets and for the recessionistas, right? (laughs) Those expecting... Those, those expecting there to be a recession, but yet the economic data hasn't caught up to that just yet. And that's the this is, the, this is going to be the big challenge this year, right? Um, the idea of a no-landing scenario. This has been one of the hot topics as of late. In other words, the economy avoids a recession altogether, just slows down a bit. That's certainly possible, although probably optimistic, given the tightness of Fed monetary policy and the fact that the Fed is going to continue to hike rates. And of course, the big question, as, as Always comes back to the fact is what is the Fed going to break? You know, historically, when the Fed hikes rates, and particularly hikes rates aggressively like they're doing now, this is the most aggressive rate hiking campaign that we've seen since the 70s. And historically, every time they hike rates this aggressively, they break something, right? They either cause the SNL crisis, or <laughs> you know, a whole variety of other uh, issues over time that have been directly linked back to the tightness of the labor market uh, because, again, you know, not surprising when interest rates start to go up, people start to default. In fact, credit card delinquencies across age groups are on the rise as interest rate payments are going up every month. Every time the Fed hikes rates, that increases the prime rate, which is tied directly to credit cards. So every month that minimum payment's going up. And for a lot of consumers that are just trying to make ends meet, that additional payment diverts capital from other purchases right so i can't go out and buy you know i can't go out and take my family out to dinner twice this week i only do once this week because of i got a higher credit card payment you know that's going to continue to feed through that'll continue to weigh on economic growth the question of course is that at what point does the fed hike rates too much that it causes some type of financial clampdown on the economy and that's and that's the question we don't know and as we talked about last week on twitter I posted a chart of M2, now that's money supply in the economy, as a percentage of GDP. Now, what's important about this is that we still have a very high level of money sloshing around in the economy, and that's why the economy isn't seeming to slow down as fast as many people would expect, because you have all this liquidity just still everywhere in the economy. It is contracting, though. And it is starting to slow down. So that liquidity is coming out of the system. And at the same time that this monetary supply is coming out of the system, consumer de- debt is ramping up. So in other words, as that liquidity comes out of the economy, M2 is a percentage of GDP. That's declining. So as that money is extracted, people are having to turn to credit card debt to make ends meet. The question then becomes, how long can they continue to do that before they run out of credit? or Does the economy, is the economy able to work through a trough cycle without going into recession because of all this liquidity, and then begin to get back into a to a growth phase? That's going to be the big challenge this year and and potentially early next year. But as we were talking about um, last week, you know, one of the, the big surprises this year, now remember last year, everybody was convinced that we were going to have a recession this year. And it didn't matter who it was, recession is coming, media, economists, everybody was on that side of the boat. We said, you know, the problem with that, when everybody is expecting recession, they tend not to happen. So, again, so one of the big surprises this year is no recession in 2023 because of all that liquidity in the system that's still coming out, but that the recession is delayed until 2024 when... That, that liquidity finally exits the economic system. That will be the big surprise. I'm not saying that's going to be the case. I'm just saying that's going to be the big surprise that could take a lot of people off guard is that this year, everything seem, seems to be a little bit better than they really are. It's just because we've got time on our side right now of all this liquidity in the system. So look, we got a lot of stuff to get into. We'll talk a little bit about the Fed, hiking rates, recession risk, markets, investing, and i got a funny story for you from over the weekend with my youngest daughter that's coming up right after the break. Don't go away.
0: investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet
2: at realinvestmentadvice.com we teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too but raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you our next RIA lunch and learn will dwell upon this topic cuz teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning so uh funny story over the weekend so i told you the story about my older daughter who was tasked with going to a friend's house then and they raise a lot of chickens for tyson and there's a whole business in this tyson chicken raising thing so you can have your chicken tenders um but i told you the story about how this chicken died and she thought she had murdered this chicken and, and it was a huge disaster for a couple of weeks which i played to the hilt and uh so this weekend my daughter comes to the house now she's 16 about to be 17 she's driving you know and uh you know kind of learning or learning her way around the city and you know getting things going on and and so she was driving to our house over the weekend and she comes in the door and she is hysterically crying just in hysterics and i'm like oh my gosh what has happened and she's like through through all the blubbering and the tears she says i had an accident and i said well are you okay and she's like i'm fine i go what what what, what happened is the car okay because car's fine and and i'm like well what happened and of course she, you know this is the tears flowing and and it's just it's just disaster right i mean just a complete meltdown and she goes i hit a rabbit <laughs> And I go, what do you mean you hit a rabbit? She says, I was driving down the street and this rabbit comes running out across the road and I, I hit the rabbit. I go, well, how do you know I hit the rabbit in the middle of the crying and the side? She says, all I heard was thump, thump. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying to be a good dad and console fears. And all I can think of my mind is thump, thump. <laughs> So we finally get her calmed down, and 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 I said, "Honey, just it's fine, it's okay." I said, "You know, rabbits breed like crazy, so you know, if, if we lose one or two, it's it's okay." She goes, "Yeah, but it's it's it was so cute, Fluffy." I go, "I understand, baby. It's, it's just it's just a rabbit." And she goes, "But it was thump thump. That's all. I, that's all she can say." <laughs> And so at the end of the day, I now have a chicken murderer in my house and a rabbit murderer. So <laughs> I'm not sure if she's going to drive down to our house anymore. <laughs> does she know there's a street called Jack Rabbit Road? Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be on high alert now for, yeah. for rabbits.
2: <laughs> well, fortunately, rabbits breed like yeah. chickens.
1: <laughs> they do. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to explain to her. Is like, you know. It's just kind of nature sorting itself out. But the traumatic part was, you know, hearing it (laughs) underneath the car. (laughs) It was the thump, thump part that got to her. Other than that, it was fine. It was just the thump, thump.
2: Glad it wasn't an armadillo. Yeah, exactly. Would have had thump,
1: pop, (laughs) pop. Exactly. So, all right. A couple of things. Uh, This morning on the website. Uh, we have an article posted out uh, talking, a little, and this is kind of a pick up from this past weekend's newsletter. So if you read the newsletter, you'll recognize uh, a little bit of it. But this, you know, it's it's the discussion of what we were just talking about a second ago. This kind of no landing scenario, this idea that we can avoid a recession entirely, and and but again, you know that that idea, you know, the the problem or the challenge right now. Um, is between all of the economic data, right? And all these particularly leading economic indicators that have a very high percentage of predicting a recession. Leading economic indicators, inverted yield curves, uh, these type of you know, economic um, indicators of a variety of sorts. You know, all suggesting that a recession is coming. And, and a lot of these, these indicators have perfect track records going back 50, 60, 70 years. They have predicted recessions time and time again. And yet every time that these occur, of course, we always suggest that they're wrong this time for one reason or another. And they, they haven't been. But could this time be different? I mean, that's, that's the real challenge. And the answer is we don't know there's certainly some differences this time that, you know, could delay a recession you know, or at least soften the impact of a recession. And that's what I was talking about a second ago. This, the, the amount of money that's sloshing in the economy right now as a, percentage of the, as a percentage of the economy is just at some of the highest levels we've seen in history. And it is, it is coming off, but there's still a lot out there. And, you know, you have to go back and remember, we injected $5 trillion of fiscal policy into the economy, sending checks directly to households, et cetera. And then, of course, you also had the Federal Reserve doing $120 billion a month in quantitative easing, interest rates to zero. And this certainly created a massive surge in economic activity, and so... so What is a recession? A recession is two quarters of negative growth in a rough nutshell. There's some other things that go into that, but that's just the rough definition. So two quarters of negative economic growth is technically a recession, but it doesn't always mean. We had two quarters of negative growth at the first half of, of last year, and it wasn't a recession. And there's reasons for that. But, here, but here's the, the point, okay? Let's, let's use that definition of two quarters of negative economic growth for a moment. It takes time for economic growth to go from positive to negative. So you're at 4% growth, and I'm just using an example numbers, so just bear with me for a second. So in, in one quarter, you've got 4% growth. And the economy is slowing down. Yield curves invert. The Fed's hiking interest rates. Economic data says a recession's coming, etc. So, right, so, so immediately everybody says, okay, a recession's coming, and they expect it to happen next quarter. The problem is, is that you've got to go from 4% to 3% to 2% to 1% to 0% to negative 1%. So it takes... Time to revert that economic growth. Now, the trend of that economic growth is clearly negative, right? You're going four, three, two, one, zero, negative one. So the trend of that data is clearly negative. The economy is clearly slowing down, but it's not a recession until you technically get into negative economic growth for two quarters. Now, most people it feels like a recession even though you're not in a recession while you're slowing down. You know, we talked about last week, you know, kind of using a car on, you know, a car going downhill, you apply the brakes, it takes time for that car to stop. And this is the situation that we're in right now. We have all this liquidity in the system that's helping support economic growth. The economy is slowing down, but it's in that process of slowing down. And as I was saying at the, at the open, it's going to take time. It could potentially take more time than we expect to get to that negative growth rate. The indicators suggest that's going to happen. Now, here's, now here's the other side of that argument. There's so much money sloshing around in the economy that... It could sustain economic growth long enough for the economic data to trough and then begin to improve. So you technically either have a very, very mild recession if you have one at all. And this is the theory. It's kind of like life support, right? You know, a person goes into the hospital, they're having some type of surgery for whatever reason it is. They've got to put them into a medically induced coma to get through, you know, get the the brain to stop swelling, whatever it is. And then they bring them out of the medically induced coma. So that's kind of the idea. That's kind of a graphic comparison, but... (laughs) That's kind of the idea of what's happening with all this monetary liquidity, right? There's this monetary life support system that's still sitting there that even though the patient is ailing, that would be the economy, there's enough of this monetary liquidity that's supporting the life structure of that economy at least near term. Now, it's a question of time. And this is going to be the big challenge for investors as well. It's a, the question of time is, is there enough monetary liquidity in the system to support the economy during the troughing of these economic indicators? And is there enough monetary liquidity to support the economy through a slowdown to the point that we extract some of the excesses and then allow the economy to begin to recover? Now, remember, one of the big challenges for all this and for this theory is going to be the pull forward of consumption. In 2021 and 2022, we gave households $5 trillion, checks directly to households, something we've never done before. So everybody, in their infinite wisdom, instead of saving that money, went out and spent it. This is why we had this big surge in economic activity. Everybody went out and they bought new lawnmowers and refrigerators and washers and dryers, bought new computers like crazy because everybody had to work from home. So we all needed new computers. So I got this free money, might as well go buy a new computer. Needed to up my gaming at home, so I needed a gaming computer so I could do Zoom and game at the same time. This is why we had this big surge in demand for chips and everything else, Right? created this massive surge in economic growth. Now, the question is, if everybody's gone out and bought this stuff, now they're out of money, what are they gonna to use to buy next? And, and all those things that they purchased then had pulled forward for consumption that we're gonna have this year and next year. So there's this void that has to be filled. And that's gonna be the big challenge is whether or not that pull forward consumption has left too big of a hole to fill for the economy to withstand. Come back, we'll finish up this conversation outside the, the break. No go away.
0: The Real Investment Advice Blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors, too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic, because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso, February 23rd, for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to the Real Investment Show.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. So, just talk a little bit about this. Uh, Conundrum that we have going on right now between this recession idea and the no recession, no landing idea. And the point of the conversation is, is that we have no idea what's going to happen over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Nobody does. But there are so many indicators right now that suggest a recession is coming that it certainly seems like a odds-on bet that such will be the case. However, from, and and this is the, the crux of the discussion, which is from an investment standpoint, betting on that outcome could be problematic for a couple of reasons. One is time. As we've already seen this year, markets have been much more resilient than many expected with markets flying off out of the gate this year. The second is the timing of that event, getting it right. And then third is, of course, the depth of the event, if you're right. So these are the challenges from an investment standpoint. And and so I I told you I'm writing this article called Conviction and it's talking about having this conviction to a certain idea and then betting your whole portfolio on this idea this thesis right and so this is the problem with the recession call right now as we talked about last year there were so many people expecting a recession we were going, when everybody expects a recession not likely to happen and of course now the question now now we're getting everybody into the other camp which is if you're expecting a recession this is kind of a good thing we're now getting everybody into the no landing, no recession camp. Everybody's kind of moving that direction. Everybody's like, okay, we'll just kind of an economic slowdown. What if the real answer is both? And that's gonna make it a bit more of a challenge from an investment standpoint. In other words, it's a soft landing scenario this year Things just slow down because, as we were talking about earlier, all of the excess liquidity is still sloshing around in the markets. And the time that it takes pushes that recession off until 2024. And see, now, nobody's expecting that right now. That's, that's the outlier. If you take a look at earnings expectations for companies' improvement in 2024, in fact, Most analysts right now expect earnings to trough this quarter. So quarter one will be the worst of the S&P 500 earnings. We'll see if that's the case or not. But all analysts are expecting 2024 to be much more robust, robust in terms of economic activity and earnings growth. But what if the recession is delayed and pushed forward? Again, one of the challenges, and this is the conundrum that we work through here at the shop every day, is looking at this economic data. Again, just a tremendous amount of economic data right now that suggests, and indicators in particular, that suggest a recession is coming, and it's certainly easy to make that case. But it's hard to make that bet because, again the big risk is that you make this conviction investment on an idea that is either wrong or delayed, and you wind up giving up too much money, miss too much opportunity, so by the time you're actually right in your investment thesis, you're simply just trying to get back to even. And that's the big risk. And that's the big risk with investing in general. I was having this... (laughs) debate over the weekend with you know a gentleman on twitter and he's like well just you know this is my dollar cost average just dollar cost average you know through the whole thing and then you're finally settled it's like that makes no sense because if you invest a dollar today and you lose 50 cents of it yes you can buy another dollars worth of stuff 50% lower i'm not saying the market's going down 50% i'm just using an example here But yes, I can buy more at cheaper prices, but then I'm just spending time trying to recoup the capital I've just destroyed. Versus avoiding that downside risk to some degree. You can't avoid all downside risk. But to mitigate some of that downside risk, preserve capital, especially new capital, hold that in cash until you have the opportunity to buy things cheaper when you know that the bottoms are in. And that's easy to tell. You can tell when bottoms are in. Problem is, is we don't have that right now. From a purely technical basis, there is certainly evidence that the bottom of the market is in. You had a low in October. We've talked about the the inverted head and shoulders, which is typically a very clear market bottoming process. We talked about the 50-day crossing above the 200-day moving average. We've broken out above downtrends. Lots of technical data suggests that the bottom of the bear market, if you want to call it that last year, really a correction, is in. But we haven't dealt with economic stuff yet. We haven't dealt with higher interest rates. We haven't dealt with tighter monetary policy. We haven't dealt with an extraction of liquidity in the markets versus the input. And this is, I think, the one thing that many are missing. We could have, theoretically, just follow me through here for a second, we could have an economy that avoids a recession, but what's gonna be the driver for stock prices going forward? If that that is the case, the Fed won't cut rates back to zero if the economy is doing okay. If inflation is coming down and the economy is not in a recession, there's no reason for the Fed to cut rates. There's also no reason for the Fed to start re-injecting liquidity into the economy again through quantitative processes. So quantitative tightening will continue to extract capital from the markets. Interest rates will remain elevated, which will continue to be a drag on consumers. So the question is, if that's, and of course, that's what feeds earnings for companies. So the question is, really, even if you can avoid a recession, what is going to be the driver for asset prices in the future? If if there's no recession because, again, there's no reason for that liquidity surge, there's no reason to go, to go inject stimulus checks into the economy, right? No reason for that. So what's going to drive asset prices? Yes, we're going to have inflows from people working and investing capital in 401K plans, et cetera, but that's not a huge driver of markets. Certainly doesn't account for the massive inflows of capital That we saw from 2009 to 2022 on a global basis. So where's so the question then becomes, okay, avoid a recession. Maybe the market doesn't go down 30, 40, 50 percent as as some people expect. But what's going to cause it to run and have another? 10-year bull market cycle like we saw in in 2010, 11, 12, 15, 18, 20, right, where markets were returning on average 12% a year, which was 4% above historical norms. What if the real outcome of this cycle is not a, a massive bear market or recession? What if this cycle, again, it's just a question. I don't have the answer. But what if this cycle is economic sluggishness and markets that go basically nowhere for the next decade? That's hard to that's see. That's hard to fathom, right? People go, "Well, that's never happened." Well, kind of it did. We spent 2000 through 2017 going nowhere. Two big ranges. So we've seen, we, we spent the 60s and 70s going nowhere, right, in the markets. So there are periods where markets can literally go nowhere for a very extended period of time while all these excesses kind of get wrung out of the markets, valuations, growth expectations, et cetera, liquidity. And again, if we're in an environment where economic growth is okay, inflation is coming down, gets to the Fed's 2% target, then there's no reason for massive surges of liquidity to help boost asset prices. Now we're focused back on earnings and profits and those type of things. Slower growth environment, slower growth in earnings. Declining inflation reduces profit margins. So again, it's not just the recession. And here's the point of the conversation. It's not, the the big focus shouldn't be on a recession, and massively negative outcomes. We also have to be thinking about what the next decade is going to be like because of this idea of a soft land. Be right back after the break. Wrap up the show. Don't go away.
0: news you can use, delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too, but raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic, because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso, February 23rd, for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: U.S. stock futures are down this morning. Dow's down about 281. NASDAQ's down 121 right now. Uh, S&P's down about 33. Interest rates are up this morning. And, um, you know, this is kind of the ongoing debate right now. And Again, as the Fed's talking about higher rates, You know, this is starting to kind of feed back into, you know, stronger economic data and, you know, potential for a resurgence of inflation. This is the big concern for the Fed, right? The bulls keep ignoring the Fed saying, "Okay, yeah, the Fed's hiking rates, but they're going to stop soon. So no big deal. Let's run stock prices up. But the problem is the Fed's making no indication that they're stopping anytime soon. And, you know, this is. One of the things that we've seen, saw last week, and I commented on this in, in today's blog post, that the Fed members are certainly not in the mindset. Again, this isn't everybody. This is just a few, but these are messages coming from the Fed that they're done hiking rates yet. Um, last week. James Bullard said, I wouldn't rule out supporting a 50 basis point rate hike in March. Now, that would certainly shock the markets, which were, remember, markets were primarily focused on a 25 basis point hike in the February 1st meeting and then done, right? The Fed was going to be one and done. And that was a big reason for the rally in January and early February. Now the Fed's saying, well, inflation is still hot and... We're concerned about a resurgence of inflation. So, you know, don't rule out a 50 basis point hike. This is one of the reasons why the market's been under pressure the last couple of days. And again, this morning, interest rates are rising kind of across the board right now. As markets are trying to come to grip with this idea of continued rate hikes by Fed. And as I said at the, at the open this morning, Fed fund futures just over the last couple of weeks have risen by 40 basis points, so now the terminal rate, so the terminal rate is the where the Fed is supposed to stop. It's now 5.3 percent. That's even higher than the five and a quarter percent that the Fed was talking about previously. James Bullard also said the Fed risk a replay of the 1970s, so it can't lower inflation, so, uh, if it can't lower inflation soon. What happened in the 70s was is inflation ran up, declined, and then resurged again as we had the oil embargo. And that's what the Fed's afraid of. The Fed's big concern is that inflation becomes entrenched in the economy. But there's some arguments that maybe it already has because you know, one of the things that is always problematic – with inflation and prices is that prices tend to be sticky at some levels. Food, gas, electricity, these type of things, additional fees. You know, you start seeing things on statements, like an additional surcharge. remember when we had the big, uh, back in 2008, a lot of people won't remember this, but when oil prices were spiking up to 130 130 dollars a barrel back then we started seeing all these search fuel surcharges added to bills right and so you get this bill and your bills you know up ten dollars this month whatever it is and there's because there's this line item at the bottom says fuel surcharge ten dollars to cover gas costs well everybody gets used to paying that and so when that crisis passes, companies say, Well, what we'll do is, is we'll just roll that $10 back into our regular billing process and pff, nobody will know the difference. And so, what happens is, is that things like we've talked about before shrinkflation, right? You go and you buy a bag of chips and it's all full of air, and there's like a third of the bag has actually got chips in it, the rest of it's air, instead of being a whole bag of chips, right? That's shrinkflation. You know, bag of Oreos few less than you used to get and that's one way to combat not having to increase prices I just give you less stuff for the same amount of price but when things correct we don't go back and fix those things why because it's profitable right you know everybody's complaining about egg prices being over four dollars a dozen 43 a dozen well even once we pass this problem Egg prices are not going to go back to where they were. They'll decline, but they won't go back to where they were. This is why, uh, you know, when I was growing up, you had gasoline at 50 cents a gallon, right? You were paying a buck a gallon in 2000. In 2008, when we we're going through the, the oil price surge, you know, gas prices got up to $250, $3, a gallon, depending on where you live, right? But when the, when the prices came back, they never went back to where they were previously. Remember we had oil prices go to zero? Why didn't we have 50-cent gasoline at that point? Right. It, doesn't, it just it doesn't work that way. See, prices are somewhat sticky. So this inflation is getting entrenched into the economy. This inflation is getting entrenched into the consumer. The consumer will adapt for this, right? Right. But a lot of this inflation, despite what the headline CPI number says, a lot of this inflation will never go away. Healthcare costs will never go away. Because once prices go up for the cost of healthcare, et cetera, unless there's some legislation or some reform or some something else done, there's no reason for insurance companies, medical suppliers drug makers, et cetera, to lower prices. And so this inflation actually becomes entrenched. And look, and this is, this is why despite, this is why there's so much anger about capitalism, right? Everybody's focused on capitalism. It's like capitalism broken. This isn't a new thing, right? This has been going on for a long time. It's just now becoming much more evident because of what's happening in the economy. As so everybody wants to blame capitalism. Capitalism's not at fault, right? It's just that inflation becomes very sticky at some levels. And there's going to be some levels that it doesn't, right? There'll be some things that revert. But there's going to be some things that don't. And unfortunately, the things that tend not to revert are things that we pay for every day. This is why there's always this big angst when people talk about inflation. Back in 2008, when we were having you know, gas prices run up and oil prices run up and talking about inflation. One of the Fed members had come out and said, you know, the price of an iPad's actually gone down. And one of the reporters said, yeah, but you can't eat an iPad. And that's true. You know, there's some things where costs will go down because of innovation, et cetera. Things will get cheaper. Unfortunately, the things that tend to get more expensive or living consumables, food, gas, electricity, (laughs) utilities, cable, you know, those things don't tend to go down. And that eats into the wages of a household that doesn't, that have risen, but don't rise as fast as inflation. And we have that problem going on right now. You know, wages are up. Unfortunately, inflation adjusted wages are down. And we always forget about that. We talk about, oh, everybody's getting wage wage increases. Yeah, that's true. They're just not getting enough to offset the cost of living increases. So they're actually getting pay cuts. But this all feeds back into the economy. So as I was saying, so as I was saying in the last segment, the thing that is really the issue. The thing we really need to focus on, I think more so than worrying about a recession or the end of the dollar or whatever else it is. I think the real thing we need to worry about is where are the capital flows going to come from to create returns over the next 10 years? Because you have to have the capital flows. If you want those 8%, 9%, 10%, 12% annualized rates of returns, you've got to have the capital inflows to support those price increases. Outside of corporate share buybacks, we have to start asking ourselves, where's that additional cash flow going to come from? Particularly if We have this soft landing scenario that doesn't require zero interest rate policy, quantitative easing programs, stimulus checks to households. Again, this whole idea of avoiding a recession and introduces a new concept into markets that's been dependent upon all the stimulus over the last decade. All right. Enough of that. I'll probably write an article on this. With attendant charts. <laughs> but it's an idea. It's 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 a thought process. And it's just as investors, it just becomes much more challenging. And, and again, as as I was saying, you know, be careful with conviction. You know, the, the big the biggest risk that we take is becoming convicted to an idea that changes and we don't adapt for it. And this is why we always have to be open to what's going on in the markets and really pay attention to what the markets are saying and doing versus what we think, because we can only invest for the market we have, not the one that we want. So, all right, wraps up the show for today. Get by the website. Make sure you subscribe to our daily market commentary that's out now on the website. Of course, our weekly bull bear report, and that'll also get you Tuesday's technical take. Those both come to you by email. So if you subscribe to the weekly bull bear report right there on the homepage, you'll also get our technical take on Tuesday's right into your email inbox. And of course, subscribe to both of our YouTube channels, both before the bell, as well as this channel. We appreciate you uh, following and watching and being part of our family. And of course, we'll see you back here tomorrow with Danny Ratliff for Wednesday's edition of The Real Investment Show. Have a great day.